0: Good morning, friends. Today is Tuesday, December 31st, 2019. It is New Year's Eve, and if I can squeeze it in, (laughs) there is a beautiful New Year's Eve service found in the Episcopal Book of Occasional Services, the 2018 version. Um, There's a 2003 as well, but the 2018 version. And um, I will try to adapt that for evening prayer tonight, but we've got a pretty full day, including some wonderful mom and son time and a super nerdy Christmas or (laughs) New Year's Eve party that Jack and I are both going to where our local favorite game place, Gathering Game, is hosting a Cyberpunk 2020, which is an old role-playing game. You know, I think it was made like in the 80s. Anyway, I digress majorly. Forgive me. In addition to being New Year's Eve, it is also the eve of the holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, I'm going to read to you out of the Episcopal Dictionary of the Church, the celebration on January 1st, the eighth day after the birth of Jesus, when he was named and circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Luke 2.21 Under the law of Moses, all male infants were to be circumcised on the eighth day after birth. Leviticus 12.3 It was also customary at this time for family and friends to witness the naming of the child. This major feast is celebrated on January 1st, the eighth day of the Christmas season. The designation of the feast in honor of Jesus' holy name is new to the 1979 BCP. It was traditionally celebrated as the Feast of the Circumcision. Celebration of the holy name reflects the significance of the holy name of Jesus and the emphasis of the Gospel of Luke on the naming of Jesus rather than his circumcision. Liturgical celebration of Jesus' circumcision began in the Gallican Church, The Council of Tours 567 called for January 1st to be observed as a fast day to encounter pagan celebrations to counter pagan celebrations at the beginning of the new year. As an aside, how often do we either assimilate other traditions or counter them? Not that that, um, that's necessarily all malicious or bad but I think it interweaves together the very cultures that in some cases we were trying to keep separate and in the case of assimilation I think that we had to be very careful there that it is about the way that we treat other cultures we encounter which should be with respect and reverence and, and definitely giving credit and not um, abusing or usurping. But anyway, I digress again. This day was also traditionally associated with devotion to the Virgin Mary. Celebration of the Feast of the Name of Jesus dates from the end of the Middle Ages. In the 15th century, the Franciscans Bernardino of Siena, 1380-1444, and Giovanni Capistrano, 1386-1456, encouraged devotion to the Name of Jesus. This celebration was officially granted to the Franciscans in 1530 for observance on January 14th. In 1721, Innocent VIII called for the whole Roman Catholic Church to observe the feast on the second Sunday after Epiphany. This feast was introduced into England in 1489 and celebrated on August 7th. It was included as a black letter day in the Elizabethan calendar of the church year in 1561. The name Jesus is from the Hebrew Joshua or Yehoshua, Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh will save. Devotion to the holy name of Jesus is particularly derived from Philippians 2, 9-11, which states that God highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This scriptural devotion is paraphrased by the hymn, At the Name of Jesus, hymn 435, in the hymnal 1982. Other hymns that express devotion to the holy name of Jesus include To the Name of Our Salvation and Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love. Forgive me if I um am... I'm a little bit scattered or a little bit weepy today. It is... I am, to paraphrase rather poorly, um, what was written in Sarah Bessie's latest field notes, I am standing on the edge of the great grief of my friends um, who lost their son. When he was far, far too young, children are supposed to outlive their parents by a lot. Um, and thinking of Jesus naming eight days after his birth and of new things kind of wakes up um, or pricks at, maybe it's a better way to say, my grief for the things And experiences um, that we have all lost with this wonderful young person who got gathered home so forgive me I'm gonna just plow on through um, this is definitely and both joyful celebration at the coming of Jesus and Jesus life and Jesus life in us and also a deep and profound grief at the loss of a little boy so bear with me. Thanks, folks. So we're going to use then, instead of the readings for today that we would usually use, and today is also the day that we remember Samuel Ajay Crowther. I'm not going to read about him just to just not be kind of overwhelming in the podcast this morning, but so instead of the usual readings, we're going to read special readings for the Eve of Holy Name. And those are Psalm 90, Isaiah 63, 15 B through 25, and Revelation 21, 1 through 6. And these are usually for the evening, but because if we can, we're going to read some special readings for the new year, which I think are really beautiful because they take us kind of scripturally through a progressive timeline of seasons, so to speak, um, with God's people, which I think mirrors the liturgical seasons and also can mirror the seasons of our heart, if you'll indulge me. So anyway, we're going to read the Eve of Holy Name readings this morning. We are using, as usual, the Book of Common Prayer and in supplemental liturgical materials from Enriching Our Worship, Volumes 1 and 2. Behold, the dwelling of God is with mankind. She will dwell with them, and they shall be her people, and God herself will be with them and be their God. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God to set forth her praise, to hear her holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship her, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by her infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouths proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore her. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before her presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to her with with psalms. For she is a great God, and a great queen above all gods. In her hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are hers also. The sea is hers, for she made it, and her hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our maker, for she is our God, and we are the people of her pasture and the sheep of her hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to her voice. God has shown forth her glory, Come, let us adore her. Psalm 90 God, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, are like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger. By your wrath we are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are seventy years, or perhaps eighty if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to count our days, that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O oh God, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, so that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. Make us, as ma- make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us, and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 15b through 25. To her servants she will give a different name. Then whoever invokes a blessing in the land shall bless by by the God of faithfulness. And whoever takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of faithfulness. Because the former troubles are forgotten and are hidden from my sight. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy, and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, Or an old person that does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth. And one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 15, the Song of Mary, the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of God. My spirit rejoices in you, O God my Savior, for you have looked with favor on your lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. You, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. You have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You have shown strength with your arm and scattered the proud in their conceit, casting down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You have come to the help of your servant Israel, for you have remembered your promise of mercy the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his children forever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 6 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. She will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. what the spirit is saying to God's people thanks be to God let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles Creed found on page 96 of the book of common prayer I believe in God creator of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ our only son our Lord the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for your sovereignty power and glory for the sovereignty power and glory are yours now and forever amen In place of the suffrages, we are going to use the prayers of the people um, from the service for the burial of a child found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2, starting on page 135. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, I have, again, kind of hearkening back to Sari Bessie, no right to the tremendous grief, tremendous grief of parents, but I do think that when we enter into prayer on behalf of others I think that has power for healing, I really do. And and I think that grief touches us even who stand on the outskirts a beautiful life so although I'm stuck in this extremely humbling place where I feel like embarrassed that I don't have right to be grieving so hard um, at the same time I think that that's what compassion is I think Bessie's right um, that when our hearts stir for something, that's a move to action. And my action is prayer, um, especially in those times when nothing in our human power can make it right, can do anything really about it, especially when we're frustrated and feel like we prayed and prayed and we didn't get the outcome. That we wanted and we don't understand, and there's a lot of asking why. That is the time for prayer. So, in the peace of God, let us pray, responding, Oh God, have mercy. In the assurance of your mercy, in thanksgiving for the life of your child and in confident expectation of the resurrection to eternal life, we pray. O God, have mercy. Remember his parents. Help them to hold each other in their hearts, that this sorrow may draw them together and not tear them apart, we pray. O God, have mercy. Remember all the family and friends of your child, that they may know the consolation of your love, and may hold him in their love all the days of their lives, we pray. O God, have mercy. Support them in their grief and be present to all who mourn, we pray. O God, have mercy. Teach us to be patient and gentle with ourselves and each other as we grieve, we pray. O God, have mercy. Help us to know and accept that we will be reunited at your heavenly banquet. We pray. O God, have mercy. Finally, our God, help us to become co-creators of a world in which children are happy, healthy, loved, and do not know want, hunger, or sickness. We pray. O God, have mercy. Compassionate God, Your ways are beyond our understanding, and your love for those whom you create is greater by far than ours. Comfort all who grieve for this child. Give them the faith to endure the wilderness of bereavement, and bring them in the fullness of time to share with him the light and joy of your eternal presence. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our God, who lives and reigns with you. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, amen. We will use, as we have done the prayer of St. Francis as a prayer for mission. It's found on page 833 of the Book of Common Prayer. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, is the time when I usually share a few personal thoughts. Forgive me if the volume, kinda, volume or quality kind of went up and down there for a minute. I had to briefly plug my phone back in so I could just garner enough charge to make it through the end of the recording with you guys. Thank you for bearing with me, which seems to be kind of the word of the day today. I am so grateful to you, my friends, for being here with me and... Um, a couple of you have, have reached out to me personally. Thank you for that, too. And I'm I'm sorry if I don't always have the, the right words to convey my current context. But I think, as always, when at a loss, we can just pray, One's God, one, may God's will be done. And I think that's part of why the liturgy is so beautiful, because... Not only does it give us universal words when we can't find our own, but also I really do believe that it's our human reflection of the prayers being sung in heaven that we are connected to all those voices of the heavenly multitude in and through the liturgy and our personal prayers and. our response and awe to God's beautiful creation, all of these, I think, join together in the heavenly song. So thank you for that. Thank you for being part of the chorus with me here today. So starting with our psalm. This is another one of what I think of as the how long psalms. You know, they're talking about The psalmist here, and this one is, I think, the only one that is attributed to Moses. Um, Says to God, hey, I want to mark out this time. I can can get through it better knowing that there is an end date and working toward that end date, counting down the days, right? I have a lovely friend who um, who is being terribly persecuted in her job, a job where she's just trying to do the right thing. And it's, as so often the case, um, those around her are balking, not only at, at somebody coming in and, and, and trying to, change processes for the better um, but also of course at having a woman in charge and she's counting, counting the days and I think that often that's how we get through a time of trial when we have an end in sight we can count the days or when we hopefully look forward to the next blessing we can count the days but something interesting that I read Once about prisoners of war was that those that hope killed basically was the point of the article and that those who would look forward with a particular kind of hope expecting a particular outcome, i.e. rescue to come by a particular date. When that date came and it had not happened, they were then disappointed and eventually after so many disappointments, they lost their will to live. So, for example, if the the prisoner of war was praying and looking expectantly towards Christmas, surely the war will be over and will be released by Christmas. And so they count down the days until Christmas. We get to Christmas, they are not released. I think it can be the same way in the seasons of our life. And I think it's what the psalmist is expressing here as well, that the the people wanted to have something to count down towards. They wanted to make finite the suffering. And the truth is, at least this is the truth that I have found. That the suffering is not finite. That it is, as you've heard me quote Clinton Doyle and Brutiful. Life, this thing, it is brutal and sorrowful and hurtful and it is beautiful and it is often all mixed together. Sometimes it is, I definitely feel like it's a long season of trial and then there is a short period of blessing and then another long season of trial and that's the cyclical and seasonal nature of our lives. Trial, blessing and abundance, trial. And, but it runs together a little bit more than that. And one of the things that I've been trying to do in this season of trial myself, in my personal season of trial, not talking right now about anyone else but myself, is to make space for joy, even in the midst of the season of suffering. And I know that sounds like something you've heard from a million different places before, but this is the way I'm discovering it myself. In its simplest terms, it means being wholly present with my son and enjoying his company and marveling in him and not being crabby and reactive. Instead, being open and loving and taking care of myself enough that I have good bandwidth, not letting the yuck from my workplace bleed over into my home life means all of those things, but I think the best way to say it is creating space for joy and blessing even in the midst of extreme stress and trial. And what looks like extreme stress and trial to me may not look like extreme stress and trial to you, but we are not comparing. We are each living in our own truths. What God expects from us is exactly what God has created us to give. And so we should not put our expectations on others. And we should not exceed God's expectations for ourselves. My therapist said to me that the key to getting through trial is compassion and curiosity. Compassion for ourselves. Intense compassion for ourselves. And curiosity, curiosity about all the stuff that's coming up about, about the digging, having the curiosity, wanting to understand the why and dig into it. And I'm not talking there about the formulaic nature that I was kind of caught up in for about a decade of my life. Let me pick it apart, figure out where I went wrong and rewrite the formula, rework that out so that I can do it right from now on. No, I think the only right that like I'm, Finding nourishment, and hanging on to right now, is is more like a 12-step kind of spirituality, right? What is the one next right thing? And God give me the God give me the vision to see it. God open my eyes and give me the strength to do it. But I kind of digressed a little bit there. Overall, the psalmist, the psalmist want to know how long the suffering. The psalmist and his people want to know how long the suffering is going to last. So we can just count it off and. log through until then but God's time is not our time and our timeline is not God's and it's although I certainly with all of my heart and you know my, my grief has been focused on the one devastating loss that my people, some of my dear friends have experienced. But there is so much loss and grief and sorrow in the world right now, including, and you've probably seen it in the news lately, the terrible injustice done to our Jewish brothers and sisters. And um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think Hanukkah just ended yesterday. And what a terrible what a terrible season and what terrible grief and sorry folks I kind of lost my thread there Um, so I think our prayer needs to be not give us a timeline so that we can count down but as the psalmist puts it teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart And my personal translation for us during this time would be, like, teach us your math, God. Teach us how you are marking this season for us. In collaboration with you, when looking back on this, how is it that you would describe this season in our lives and hearts, in our minds and souls, dear God? When we look back and say, this is the season that I learned this or that I was transformed into this. Like, how are you marking this time, God? What is your vision for this time in us? Is this the time that compassion so stirred our hearts that we rose to action? And what did that action look like? Was terrible tragedy tragedy, its own complete and devastating thing and also a catalyst for our life's work, for our mission? God's time transforms not with the counting of numbers, but with the working of transformative seasons in and through us. And the psalmist ends with these verses: Let our work be manifest to your, let your work be manifest to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and prosper for us the work of our hands, Oh, prosper the work of our hands. Let us see what you're doing and enter into co-creation in this universal Christ project with you, O God. Let your favor be upon us. Show us the one right next thing. Give us the courage to take action. Remove from us any presupposition of what that action or its outcome looks like. Instead, just show us the one next right thing. Help us to do it. Take that seed. And with your glorious power, make it bear fruit for your kingdom, oh God. Amen. Our next readings, tell us, give us a glimpse of what we're working with God towards, what it is that we are collaborating with God in, what all this effort is going to, what right looks like to God. And it's it's apropos for the seasons that we're moving through, both liturgically and communally, You know, names, I think, matter because words matter. Many of you know that I go by a name that is not the name given to me at birth. I never legally changed my name, but um, Jacob, my nickname, um, I've been called that since I was, I don't know, like 15, I think. And I think that matters. My son was having this whole conversation with me yesterday about names because we saw the new Star Wars. And I'm not going to give away any spoilers, don't worry. But we were talking about names in that franchise and how, how names matter. Um, as one example that's not even from the current movie, you know, Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker, right? So there's like a dark name and a light name and Jack's like, why did they do that? Why does it matter? They, why don't they just redeem the name? You know, all that kind of stuff. And and I think that names matter just like words matter. So on, on Christmas, I was at a friend's house for a lovely dinner. She just does this beautiful, everybody welcome thing. One of her guests was someone I had not met before and that guest was really... Um, She was, it it felt like hurt and anger about some new rules in her workplace where she had to refer to transgender people by the pronoun that they chose. And that just woke up a whole bunch of stuff in her and I don't need to go into it now, but I think that's why inclusive language is important. Because the ways we describe things, the names we call them, the words we use for them, that forms the shape in our awareness of what they are. And so if we're using incorrect descriptors, if we're using just violent, ugly words, instead of getting real and getting brave and talking about how we're really thinking and feeling and using accurate words to describe our context then we're twisting God's truth and we're certainly trusting our own truth we're misaligning our truth from God's truth so i think this holy name feast day. Well, actually, sorry, it's not a feast day, but the um, observation of Jesus' naming, I think that's really important. And we talk about it here. God will give to our servants a different name. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could know the name by which God calls us? We know many of them. I went to, uh, I had a guest speaker at a church a long time ago when I was in Florida who talked about God's names for her. For all of us, scripturally. We're beloved, we're children of God. We are made in God's image. All of us. Not just the old white men. We are beautiful. We are treasured. We are so many things. And our reading here talks about moving from the time of trial to God's blessing. And it being... Jake is my perspective... those things do and can coincide with each other. We can have, as my son beautifully puts it, glimpses of heaven here on earth. And sometimes those glimpses come even in the middle of a great time of trial. So thank you, God, for inspiring your servants to write it down. And may we come back And reread these visions in those dark times when we feel like we are prisoners of the trial. May you show us what it looks like. May we understand that time and space know no bounds when it comes to you and that your kingdom is and was and is to come. This is God's answer to our question, how long? Verse 17. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem. The holy city is a joy. holy city is my answer. Because it's not just Jerusalem that God's talking about here. It is larger than the particular physical city on earth as we know it, right? It is the heavenly city. It is the heavenly dwelling place where we dwell with God. And there's no crying or death or distress. Nobody else. No evil snatches from us the fruit of our labors. But all of that effort, all of that prayer and action, all of that collaborative effort with God, everything we gave to God, bears good fruit and we enjoy the fruit. We reap the fruit. God's redemption and restoration, a restoration forward, not a restoration back to what something was, but a restoration in a different way, a restoration that's also a transformation into what we are becoming, will be ours. Our labors are not in vain. It is not hopeless. Keep going, my dear friends. Keep praying. Keep being compassionate and letting compassion move you to action. Keep getting curious. Keep wanting to understand. Keep loving. Keep moving. You are blessed and your children is blessed. And their descendants are blessed. This is the inheritance. This is the final home. This is the rescue and the redemption. And the making whole and new and should be our final reading from Revelation there were only two today for this Eve of Holy Name Eve of the Holy Name is a further description of the new heaven and new earth for the first are passed away and the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. The home of God is among us mortals. God dwells with us. We are God's people. All of us. Not just the enfranchised. Not just the white evangelicals. All of us. The child in another place that's never... Heard God call by the names that we call God, that doesn't know the outline of our services or our stories, that's never read a Bible, that doesn't even know to read, that child that doesn't yet know, and those who have known and turned away, even those, even those who are so mistaken, even those who have maligned the name of God, or brought suffering in the name of God. Even those are God's beloved. God will be with us. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. These first things will pass away. They have passed away. They are passing away. It is. In all tenses and in all times. And so, God, so many of us need your sustenance right now. Give us this vision that is truly your holy city, your sovereignty, your world order, yours, God. Give us a glimpse of what it looks like. Let us experience just a flash. We'll make space for it here in this season. And it will give us the vision and the insight and the strength to go on. For we know that you who are and were and are to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, have already won the war against evil. You are already victorious, and thus we are victorious in you. And all of this is temporary. A wise woman said to me that in the midst of trial is not the time to um, reap the blessing and the lesson. It is usually in hindsight. But God, we are, we are, that is true, and we are also doing amazing work in the middle of our trial, in the middle of our sorrow, in the middle of our grief. Be here with us. Let no drop of tear or effort or energy be wasted, oh God. Let them all fuel the coming your heavenly city, your holy queendom, here on earth, here in us, in heaven, oh God. Amen. Sorry folks, I I waxed on quite a bit. I probably could have said that in many fewer words. But hopefully some of those words spoke to you. And I'm going to have compassion with myself. Rambling and verbal processing is sometimes how I find the way of the Holy Spirit. And I am thankful. I'm not going to judge the path. But just be thankful for what I find on the way. Thank you all for being here with me. Let's close. Page 102 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time, with one accord, to make our common supplication to you, and you have promised through your well beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in His name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to her from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen. Dear God, I feel as though I have spoken wrong words or missed words or rambled, and I struggle with having compassion for myself, so I ask your Holy Spirit to bless this recording. Bless my prayer and the prayers of all who listen. Press the listening ears, and may your Holy Spirit fill in or translate where I have messed up or misspoken. I trust in your grace, O God. Amen.